0: Stuffy noses,
1: sneezing, and itchy or watery eyes are a few indications that your child may be suffering from allergies. These symptoms are most often triggered during the spring and summer months, but it can sometimes be tough to differentiate between the cause, among other illnesses, that tend to spread at this time of the year. And we this morning to have a conversation about this issue with Carrie Mary, Medical Director of School-Based and Community Health and Director of Clinical Operations at Adesso brown Children's Clinic to provide some recommendations to help parents understand more about allergies and how to best manage them. Good morning, Terry.
2: Good morning.
1: Oh, how are you doing?
2: I'm well. How about yourself?
1: I'm doing well. Uh, Terry, during this time of year, parents often look at things like sneezing, stuffy noses, uh, watery eyes uh, as allergies that can commonly take place during the spring and summer. You know, but what are some of the uh, things that parents should pay attention to? in order to determine if the symptoms they are seeing in their child may be something more than just allergies? Uh,
2: I would say if the symptoms last without any uh, improvement, um, that's usually, especially cough, lingering cough. Um, there, It's also important for children, especially with asthma that their allergy treatment is under control so that they don't experience any worsening asthma symptoms or what we commonly call an asthma attack um, that would require extensive medication and potentially
1: hospitalization. Mm. Now, uh, spring and summer colds, uh, you know, people are a little more heightened. Uh, I guess we have a heightened awareness about them these days uh, during the of year, especially since what we've been through with COVID. You know, should parents still keep a supply of COVID tests around? And if so, you know, when should they uh, think about using them?
2: I would Say it's a it's a good idea. Um, Where you know the knowledge about COVID continues to evolve. Um, most oh. of the time, uh, allergy symptoms do not occur with fever, so that would be a triggering symptom, especially if the child has been around other children or uh, around someone with known exposure, large family events, air travel, anything like that that would expose them to. Uh, not just COVID, but other viruses as well.
1: Okay. And speaking uh, in terms of of allergies and the nature, you know, what is the best way for parents to know if their child suffers uh, from allergies if they haven't been diagnosed before?
2: Sure. I think a lot of parents worry when children are under two. Um, Children at that age get runny noses and their immune systems uh, developing. So it's really rare to make a diagnosis of allergies if a child is under two. Um, But there are some, you know, some things that might tip a parent off uh, family history or um, just persistent runny nose uh, without any other explanation. So if a child's under two and continues to have, you know, runny nose, sneezing, eye discharge, it's always a good idea to check in with uh, your healthcare provider um, and then it takes a couple seasons for allergies to develop, but they can develop at any time. Um, so we generally see them diagnosed in school age um, and most people up to age 20 is when they have a diagnosis. But I think it's important for parents to know that even if their child did not have allergies when they were younger, uh, they can still can develop allergies as they age.
1: Right, and that was one of my next questions because I understand that you know over time people's allergy spectrums can change. I um, mean, they can develop uh, you know allergic reactions, something that may not have affected them before. Um, you know, so it could be like you just said, that could be a person could be going along for a long period of time and and not show any signs of having uh, allergies or being allergic to something, but later on could develop those. So I, I think that's one thing that a lot of people might may not be aware of. Correct?
2: Correct, and I, I do want to say that food allergies. Uh, can develop a little bit earlier, um, under two, but uh, since we're focusing in on seasonal allergies, that is correct. Um, and they also will be, you know, change if you move across the country or to a different area or spend time during uh, pollen or uh, certain tree seasons. Uh, children uh, may have allergy symptoms, um, but not necessarily be allergic if that's their
1: first exposure. It's more irritation. Right. Okay. And then uh, speaking of irritation and and nasal nasal allergies, you know, what are some of the things that can trigger uh, nasal allergies?
2: The biggest thing is the level of exposure. So on days where you see on the news that pollen counts are high or uh, certain weeds and grasses are high, those are days I would be on alert but kids like to play outside so if they are outside during allergy season uh, in the spring and early summer regardless of what the uh, counts are uh, it would be uh, noted and I would say you know one of the easiest things to do is uh, nasal saline spray Um, you know a little bit of saline in the nose and nose blowing clears off the nasal passages so that what they have breathed in the doesn't sit there and continue to cause symptoms. So that's, that's one way uh, to handle it
1: post-exposure. Okay, and that was, I was wondering about that. Like, what, what advice do you have when it comes to treating symptoms of allergies? And also, is there a difference when you're talking about uh, best uh, ways or, or practices to actually manage uh, the systems? I don't know if there's a difference between the treating and it's kind of the management, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think a lot of parents are hesitant um, to start medications, and, and I like to be conservative, too. So if the saline and the nose blowing doesn't work, um, I also look at factors in the home. So sleeping with the uh, windows open, um, and we haven't touched on indoor uh, causes, but uh, that's that's a big thing in Seattle where a lot of uh, families don't have air conditioning, Um, There are medications that we can use. uh, Usually, like I said, after age two, um, it can be diagnosed by history. That's usually the strongest driving force. But uh, if we're really not sure that a child has allergies and a parent wants to be absolutely certain, there are some skin tests that we can do as well as blood work uh, to determine if there are um, allergies present. Uh, that needs to be done a little bit later in uh, childhood, so after they've had a few seasons of exposure. So antihistamines, uh, we start with oral doses. Uh, common ones are Claritin, Zyrtec, and um, uh, what's the other one? I'm totally blanking right now, but there, there's three. Uh, Allegra. Allegra. Um, so those are the, the first line. Uh, we don't like to use Benadryl because it makes kids sleepy or in some kids actually has the opposite effect, which is making them super hyper. Um, and if oral medication doesn't work, um, that's when we have nasal steroid sprays um, and we would consider allergy testing.
1: All right. Now, that was interesting about Benadryl because it seems like pretty commonly people um, kind of migrate towards... Uh, Benadryl, especially in the -the over-the-counter fashion. So that was something that I wasn't aware of. I'm not sure if a lot of other people might have been aware about that either.
2: Yep. Benadryl um, is a great medication. I mean, but it's one of the main ingredients in most of the sleep aids um, that you can buy at the counter. So just something to to be aware of.
1: Right. And uh, you mentioned uh, a little bit about the indoor um, trigger, the indoor allergens. Uh, can you talk a little bit about those as well? because um, those tend to be a little bit more common than some of the things that are outdoor allergies, as I understand, if that makes sense?
2: Yeah, it does. Um, you know with seasonal allergies, we see the symptoms come and go you know at generally at the same time of the year. Uh when a child has allergy symptoms around the year. Um, that's when my radar goes off for uh, environmental indoor allergies. And those common uh, causes are dust, mites, um, cockroaches, uh, mold, um, animal dander or fur. Um, so that a lot of the normal household things that we don't think about on day-to-day. Um, and if that's the case, then children generally are okay with Around the year allergy medication um, but if again you're in that same pathway where if the child is on that medication not getting better um, then we really want to work on identifying the um, causes with the skin testing and the uh, or blood work um, would you like some tips and tricks on indoor allergies I
1: know we were focusing
2: that, on okay that was
1: that was my next question <laughs> we're <laughs> we're we're in alignment this morning
2: Awesome. Um, that's great because I uh, am only halfway through my cup of coffee. Um, <laughs> I would say uh, the advice I give to families, first, um, pets are great, um, and a lot of pets are part of a, a family. So having the sheets change more frequently if the pet you know, sleeps with the child, um, more frequent vacuuming, um, an air filter um, is helpful, not just for the pet. Uh, dander, but also for all of the allergens. Um, Carpeting is, you know, is one of those things where things get trapped. Uh, So if you have a really sensitive child, it's that vacuuming sometimes daily or twice daily, depending on the kind of carpet. Um, And then also couches and anything with upholstery um, are important. And then I, I, I would fail miserably as a pediatric provider if I didn't talk about, you know, not just the obvious secondhand smoke and, and vaping um, in the home, but a lot of families tell me, oh, we smoke outside, uh, we don't smoke in the house. But those particles stay on clothing and in hair and on skin, um, and they're still transmitted to children. So if you have some, a child with allergies or asthma, those are important things to consider.
1: Hmm. Wow. And, and speaking of, like, you talked about carpeting and upholstery and things of that nature. Um, and I know you talked about vacuuming, um, but in terms of also like, you know, having them steam cleaned or things of that nature, are those are uh, pretty helpful and should those be done on, a, on more of a regular basis as well? Cause I guess those are some things that people may not do as frequently as they would vacuum it.
2: Yeah. I think the steam cleaning is great. You know, it, it anything that, sucking out the material that's causing a problem um but really vacuuming is is most effective day to day um the steam cleaning is great for you know a lot of other reasons that being one but i i really prefer the vacuuming um plus most families don't have time to you know set up steam cleaning and then they want to watch tv that night their couch might still be wet
1: (laughs) right all right and Terry. you know I, know, I know we've talked about it quite a bit, and it's probably uh, we probably could talk a, a, quite a bit longer about this uh, issue as well. But what is the most important thing that parents should take away from this conversation this morning?
2: I would say, you know, the number one defense against anything that a, a parent is worried about is hand washing. Um, you know, we we did a lot of antibacterial work with the pandemic. Everybody was carrying around antibac um, in their bags. Um, but hand washing is the best way. Avoiding um, that way, you're you're sure that you're limiting the um, concern for a cold or uh, COVID. Um, but really, have a relationship with your healthcare provider. Um, have your you know explain symptoms to your children so they can tell you when they're feeling them um, in words that they understand and uh if you're really concerned and a child has a, a even a fever for a few days um when they have allergies uh just touch base with the nurse line at your clinic or uh, with a healthcare professional um, to make sure that uh, there isn't anything else going on
1: all right and terry before i let you go uh what are some of the best sources uh, of information for parents regarding allergies and common colds um especially if they haven't uh might not have a, a- primary care uh, provider or just want to, you know, look up some things before they actually um, escalate, as some people would term it, to call into a nurse's line or to the, um, their pediat- local pediatric hospital? Sure.
2: I think uh, our Seattle Children's website has some fantastic information for parents. And then there's also another website I like to refer families to called healthychildren.org. Um, And that's from the American Academy of Pediatrics, and it has lots of information there. Um, And then one other one I would recommend is um, Healthy uh, Kids, uh, and that is very uh, kid-friendly.
1: All right. Well, Terry, I want to thank you for joining us on today's show and bringing this information um, to our community. I've learned quite a bit in just a short period of time, and I'm sure a lot of our listening audience has as well.
2: Thank you for having me.